This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 129. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's topic, lessons from the front lines. Can multiple lawyers representing the same party each object during a deposition? Hey everybody, as always, I hope you're having a spectacular week. In episode 38, titled, Can More Than One Lawyer for a Party Question the Deponent? We answered the question by saying there is nothing forbidding it. This is because in broad terms, there are circumstances where having more than one lawyer prepared to explore topics with a witness might be useful and legitimate. So think of multiple lawyers each being assigned specific topics to cover. One might cover liability, one might cover damages, one might cover mitigation issues, and so on. Or suppose the deposition's been noticed as a designated representative or 30B6 deposition and that the entity has designated five or 10 or even more separate witnesses to testify about many complex topics. In that situation, having multiple examining lawyers also makes sense, each being charged with ferreting out and fully exhausting a specific designee's knowledge. Even in a deposition of a lay witness, there may be issues or topics that make a division of labor appropriate for the party conducting the examination. Today we talk about a related question, which is, can more than one lawyer for a party object during a deposition? And the answer is yes, it's not forbidden by the rules. But the lessons from the two reported decisions addressing this are as follows. Well, first, again, it's not forbidden by the rules. The two decisions on point both say so. One where two lawyers were objecting, but not at the same time, or as to the same question. And the other decision where a senior lawyer in attendance was objecting in three depositions being defended by his junior associate. So the opinions suggest that this tactic was being exercised in good faith on both occasions. But you should know that in both cases, the courts appeared to have doubts about the tactic. So in the new decision from just a week ago, the Webster case, the court, once the tactic was brought to its attention, said that going forward, only one lawyer could act as the attorney for a witness during depositions. And in the other case, Continental Casualty, a 2005 decision, the matter was brought to the court's attention after the depositions were all done. But even there, the court said that had the parties taken a break during the depositions and brought the matter to the court's attention, the court would have likely halted the behavior. So what's the takeaway? Well, it's probably not a good strategy to adopt as a matter of routine. It's likely to strike at least some judges as questionable, in part because it obviously isn't the norm, and because it involves an element of the deposition process, which is the making of objections, that is already often seen as ripe for abuse. So if you use this strategy, consider either alerting the examining lawyers in advance of your intentions and explaining why, or be prepared to immediately articulate your justifications when challenged during a deposition in progress. Because even if this isn't forbidden by the rules, your odds of a favorable ruling, if the judge becomes involved, are much better if the record shows that it was being done for legitimate reasons and that you were able to articulate your reasoning at the time without hesitation. And if you're attending a deposition and feel your colleague 
the lawyer designated to defend the deposition on behalf of the same party isn't adequately protecting your client's interests, consider taking a break and discussing the possibility that you substitute in as the active defense lawyer. Next, if you're the examining lawyer and you encounter this tactic, you may wish to immediately inquire about the justifications. Always on the records, of course, even if you're pausing the testimony, don't go off the record for this conversation because that transcript will be your friend. If the tactic is proving disruptive, harassing, or oppressive, and if the articulated justification seems suspicious, you may then want to contact the court for an immediate ruling. You know I am not a fan of hair-trigger decisions to involve a court in the middle of a deposition. Lawyers should be able to resolve disputes amongst themselves. But this would be a phone call that courts would likely understand. And if you can't reach the court, and if the defending lawyers will not discontinue the practice, you do have the ability under Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 30D3A and its state equivalents to orally move to terminate or limit the deposition if this tactic, in your judgment, is unreasonably annoying, embarrassing, oppressive, or being done in bad faith. That's the language of the rule and its state equivalents 30D3A, which says, quote, at any time during a deposition, the deponent or a party, even the deponent has this right, may move to terminate or limit it on the ground that it is being conducted in bad faith or in a manner that unreasonably annoys, embarrasses, or oppresses the deponent or party. The motion may be filed in the court where the action is pending or where the deposition is being taken. And the language continues, if the objecting deponent or party so demands, the deposition must be suspended for the time necessary to obtain an order, end quote. All right, so this is a Lessons from the Frontline episode, which is, as you know, where we cover a brand new deposition-related court ruling from around the country. So always keep in mind that because these kinds of episodes involve orders and decisions fresh off the presses, they are subject to further challenge, appeal, modification, or withdrawal. So the ruling that led to today's episode is Webster versus Target Corporation out of the Eastern District of Michigan. There, a federal judge just a week ago ruled that there is no prohibition against multiple lawyers objecting on behalf of the same client during a single deposition. In that case, there were multiple lawyers making objections, but apparently not to the same question or at the exact same time. The judge there said, there is nothing in the rule that forbids this and pointed out that the objecting plaintiff's counsel had provided the court with no authority to the contrary. Now, with that in mind, the judge did rule that, quote, going forward in this matter, only one attorney may act as the attorney for any witness in the case, end quote, during depositions. The other reported decision on this topic is a 2005 federal court ruling from the Southern District of Alabama. That's the Continental Casualty Company case in the show notes. Same general ruling. There, the plaintiff's lawyer complained, among other things, that the defending lawyers, quote, gang-tackled him, end quote, because a senior lawyer attending on behalf of the witness was occasionally objecting during a series of depositions being defended by his junior associate. From what we could gather by exploring the backgrounds of the lawyers identified as being involved in the deposition, it appeared that the junior associate actually defending the deposition had been out of law school just a few years 
and the senior lawyer, the one that had jumped in in a couple of the depositions and made objections, uh, apparently had been out for 30 or 40 years. Uh, by the way, have you ever had that happen? Ever have a senior partner elbow you, brush you aside, or perhaps suggest in less than discreet ways that you should be making more objections, less objections, different kinds of objections? I suspect it happens with greater frequency than we would all like to think, but it's really just a function of the fact in most situations that there are simply just many different ways of doing things and we all tend to think that our way is the right way. I'm not sure about that. I came up with the example several years ago to illustrate the equal effectiveness of very different styles. And the illustration I gave involved the cheetah, which has the fastest legs on earth, and the python, which has no legs at all. Very different approaches, but both devastatingly effective. Anyway, the court in the Continental Casualty case said the same thing. There's no flat prohibition against multiple lawyers on behalf of the same party or witness making objections during a deposition. But the judge there, like the judge in the brand new Webster decision that led to this episode, also indicated some displeasure and discomfort with the tactic and said, quote, to be sure, the undersigned likely would have given that same direction had it been telephoned by the parties and presented with this issue, end quote, meaning that the court would have limited the active defense of the deposition to a single lawyer. Okay, some review and practice pointers and then we'll be done. Number one, again, no flat prohibition against multiple lawyers making objections on behalf of the same party or deponent during a single deposition. According to the reported decisions on this topic, that's the Webster case and the Continental Casualty decisions, and also based on the complete absence of language in the rules about this tactic. Of course, always be sure to take a look at your jurisdiction's local rules as well. Some jurisdictions do have locally adopted rules that provide guidance on how depositions should be conducted, and that can include limitations on the examination or defense of a deposition to a single lawyer. Next point, and this is really just an observation. It may seem that having multiple lawyers object uh, on behalf of a single witness or party in a deposition might be inconsistent with the admonitions of Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 30C1 and its state analogs, which says that the examination and cross-examination of a deponent shall proceed as they would at trial under the Federal Rules of Evidence, right? Well, but there isn't a general rule of procedure or evidence, at least at the federal level and with the state court rules that mirror the federal rules, that says that the defense of a witness being examined at trial is limited to a single lawyer. It certainly isn't the norm, but the rules of procedure and evidence at the federal level and with state equivalents don't impose such a prohibition. Now, Federal Rule of Evidence 611A does say that the court has the power to exercise control over the mode of examination of witnesses and over the presentation of evidence. So a judge at trial can direct that it not be done, just as the judge can direct upon appropriate motion that it not be done in a deposition. But the use of multiple lawyers to defend and object isn't inconsistent with the language of the rules. So if you feel there's a legitimate reason to designate multiple counsel, all representing the same client, to make objections in depositions when defending a deponent, it's wise to do it in an organized manner. Discuss it in advance if necessary. 
have a plan. Make agreement, for example, to divide responsibilities by topics raised by the examining lawyer. And then consider whether alerting the examining lawyer in advance of the deposition is appropriate under the circumstances. It may be, it may not be. But be prepared to articulate your reason for having multiple lawyers actively defend a single deposition in the event you get pushback or in the event the examining lawyer immediately contacts the court for guidance. And lastly on that point, avoid doing it where you may wind up each objecting to the same question at the same time. That is more likely to draw a court's ire and of course to create a messy transcript. Now from the flip side, if you're conducting the examination and you find yourself in this situation, consider immediately speaking up if you feel that the actions of multiple lawyers making objections for the same deponent or party rises to the level, to borrow the language from the rule, of being conducted in bad faith or in a manner that unreasonably annoys, embarrasses, or oppresses the deponent or a party. That's the express standard in 30D3. Consider asking the lawyers at that moment uh, to designate one or the other to make objections. And if they won't, consider pausing the deposition to contact the assigned judge, magistrate, or hearing officers. The use of multiple lawyers to make multiple objections is indeed an unusual practice, and I'm confident that a judge or magistrate will not chastise you for interrupting their work at the moment and asking for guidance. But when you make that call, if you decide to exercise that option of contacting the court, be sure that you can point to specific prejudice that's being caused by multiple lawyers objecting during the deposition on behalf of the same party or deponent. So when the judge says, what's the problem from your perspective, saying that you've just never seen it before probably isn't the most persuasive response. That was something that the court in the Continental Casualty case pointed out in a footnote. It said that the plaintiff in complaining about the practice had failed to really show any prejudice that had been caused by the more senior lawyer interposing objections in those three different depositions being defended by his younger associate. So that's very important. Don't just object that it's not the norm. Explain why it's prejudicial. And that may include being able to have the reporter read back some of the objections and the colloquy between you and the defending lawyers to show the court exactly what the disruption is. Maybe it's slowing down the examination. Maybe it's creating a mess in the transcript. Or maybe it's simply having a shock and awe impact on the deponent who clearly may be unable to focus as a result of getting blasted by multiple lawyers at the same time. But be able to point to specific prejudice if you opt to contact the court. And finally, take a look at your rules of evidence. Just like Federal Rule of Evidence 611A talks about the power of the judge to control the mode of examination and presentation of evidence, your rules of evidence, if different from the federal rules, likely contain a similar provision and may be even more specific about how the examination will proceed. All right, that's it for today. Always interesting stuff. One of the goals of our work on your behalf is to make sure you are never caught off guard, either by the ordinary stuff we all see daily in depositions or by the more unusual tactics, including this one. Now you know. If you're defending and choose to use this tactic in a deposition, you might immediately be confronted by an accusation that it's totally improper and by a threat of sanctions. Well, it's not improper. 
and when conducted for le specific legitimate reasons, sanctions just aren't in the cards. And if you're examining a witness and suddenly face this tactic, now you know to quickly assess how it's being done and to engage the defending lawyers on the record as to their reasons for doing so. If not convinced, now you know that while the rules don't specifically forbid it, a judge just might, depending on your ability to articulate specific prejudice being suffered by you. All right, that's it for today. As always, have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon.